Hi, this is Randy Landry, and this is May 19th, and this is my 60-second podcast um, on common sense and ramblings in America. Today, I will be reading chapters 7 and 8 um, from my second book. Um, chapter 7 will be about my um, oldest brother, and chapter 8 will be my um, only sister. Okay, so let's start right away. Well, any further ado... Um, you've already gotten introductions about the books, you know, what I'm talking about. My oldest brother, Ronald Joseph Landry, was born in Plattsburgh, New York, on November 21st, 1946. He spent his early years as a nomad with his parent, Roger and Rita Landry, in a small travel trailer, following the work along with two of our uncles, Ferdinand or Danny and Gerald or Jerry and their respective wives, Noella and Barbara, who were also sisters. Finally, our, our father found a steady job working for the American Can Company, which had a warehouse in East Rochester, New York. They sold their trailer in order to buy a lot where they built their home. In the meanwhile, they lived in a small studio apartment over a small store. They were a happy but hardworking family. I have seen some family albums, and it appeared that though they lived a simple life, young Ronald wanted for a little eventually moved into their new house in 1949, where Ronald was soon to have a bouncing baby sister. Like clockwork three years later, Robert was also born. A fun little side note that shows that people are only human, even our parents. Many of the reasons that they are so strict and set certain rules is because they are trying to save us from the mistakes that they made. In this case, I know, I now know why my father wanted to marry my mother so early. She was three months pregnant when they got married. That also explains why they did not have a bigger wedding. I could never understand why their wedding was so small until now, especially when all of my mother's sisters had big weddings. I know because there are photos of them. Economics just didn't explain it completely. I want you to know that I am in no way criticizing my parents for having a little premarital fun. If anything, it makes my feeling for them that much stronger. After perusing through my family albums, it is apparent that my three older siblings were quite close and seemed to have enjoyed a loving, caring, familial environment. East Rochester was a small, close-knit community, ideal for raising a young family. I already discussed the house and why it was so conducive to family, maintaining close childhood friendships, so I won't discuss that again in this or my other chapters. Suffice it to say that my parents loved having their children bringing over their friends. My mother was ever at her happiest when she was cooking and baking for family or company. She was just a natural entertainer. I can only conclude that she learned this from her grandmother, who was who she sent or spent her summers with helping her at her store. Each sibling was encouraged to bring their friends over to the house. Social interactions were an important part of the Landry family, at least until I was born, more of which I will discuss in my chapter. Ronald learned all of his social skills at an early age, and they served him well in all of his future endeavors. He became a competent and capable young man. He was a solid A-B student who developed a passion for electronics and playing billiards. As a matter of fact, he got so good at playing pool, he even toyed around with the idea of going professional. He did, however, step over the bounds a little when our father found him playing pool for money. He had learned how to hustle when he played at the pool halls. My father promptly put that matter to rest. My father was fair but firm. You never questioned him when he corrected you. He definitely knew how to apply the strap to your behinds, that is for sure. I also want to note that here that he was not an abusive father. 
you could tell that it hurt him just as much as it hurt you when he disciplined you. Ronald went to the same elementary school I went to, East Rochester Elementary School, and he followed that up with going to the junior high school and high school in the same town. One event in particular had a lasting effect on my oldest brother, and that was the death in 1961 of our mother's mother, Grandma Cecile. After she passed away, Gramps no longer had the heart to continue running the farm, and besides his son, Herman Jr., was the only remaining child left there. Junior was in a different farmer at best. His aspirations lay in a totally different area. Junior was two years older than Ronald and soon became his protege. After selling the farm, Gramps, after trying to continue raising his son on his own, realized that he was poorly equipped for the task. He therefore moved in with his oldest daughter, our mother. Frankly, my mother had no choice because she had promised her mother that she would take care of Gramps and Junior. Ronald was 15 and Junior was 17. Junior having been raised on a farm, wanted to enjoy life and subsequently raised a quite a bit of hell. He definitely was not a good role model for my oldest brother. Despite his hellcat ways, Ronald adored him and tried to emulate him in his endeavors, right down to trying to build his own apartments later in his life. Junior was an exceptional student, and he got a full scholarship to Syracuse University, which was a very prestigious university in the Northeast. He lived on campus and soon ran through all of Gramps' money from the farm sale. He ended up getting a girl pregnant and dropping out of school. He eventually completed an associate degree in electronics. Ronald, following Junior's footsteps, also pursued an associate degree in electronics. After Ronald graduated from college, he married Anne-Marie Leonard in 1967. They lived in our apartment on top of our garage for a short while until they could raise enough money to buy a house in Rochester. They were to have two children while living in Rochester, New York. Ricky, who was born in 1967, and Rodney, who was born in 76. He soon got a job working at Kodak, which had a major branch in that city. It provided thousands of jobs for its residents. He soon got a more lucrative job working at Cyborn, a division of Taylor Instruments. Eventually, he was offered a job in Texas working for Shintech, another subsidiary of Taylor Instruments. Ronald excelled at Shintech and became a mainframe computer troubleshooter. He even went down to South America and set up a whole computer system at one of the largest copper mines in the world located in Argentina. Unfortunately, the lifestyle living at an expense account caught up to him, and he suffered a major cardiac event in 1982 that forced him to go on disability. Regina and Robert flew over to Katy, Texas, and helped to take care of the sale of his house and moving his family to Florida, where the whole Landry family were currently residing. The event occurred at Crystal River during a road trip to Florida to visit a family. Like if my brother in Florida was the forefront in the new surgical technique of bypass surgery. The doctors at Crystal River recommended that he have the surgery in Tampa General. After he recovered from his heart attack, he ended up having one of his first quadruple bypass operations in the country. Ronald had a full recovery from the operation. Unfortunately for him, the disability check was not enough to support his family, and after he was forced to pick up work to supplement his monthly payments, Shintek found out that he was working and canceled his support checks. Having always wanted to own a double contestant, he took his settlement money and opened up one near his house. While he sold a lot of product and had a thriving lunch business, the overhead killed him and he was not able to make ends meet. So after a year of this, he turned his attention to wholesale produce deliveries. He had quite the thriving business after a while with two trucks and a small warehouse restoring bulk orders. However, his dream of having a family business with his sons working for him did not come to fruition when both sons showed no interest in following in his footsteps. The record was also taking its toll on him. So he finally closed up his business. His next career, next career choice proved to be his most lucrative one yet. He went into the real estate business, 
After a few years of hard work and diligence and an attainment of a broker's license, he started making good money and he was finally able to buy a new house. He had two real estate agents under his broker's umbrella, a secretary and an assistant. Unfortunately, the stress of the business and paying the overhead, he started drinking and suffered two DUIs and subsequently lost his license. He already had divorced his wife in search of a better life. He, after some major soul-searching, finally came to the right conclusion and realized that he was better off with his life, better off with the life he had previously known. Lucky for him, his ever-suffering wife took him back and they were remarried. However, his business never returned to its previous levels. He was forced to sell his house in an effort to cut costs, bought a piece of land, and put a modular home on it. He continued to make improvements to his property until he in waiting in a surgical cay for an aortic aneurysm repair, he died peacefully in his sleep, lying beside his loving wife on May the 22nd, 2005. His wife, Emery, lives with her oldest son, Ricky, in her own casita. Ricky married Diane Cooper and subsequently had four sons. Ricky, a.k.a. Tim, in my previous book, is a retired undercover detective and lives in Florida. Two of his sons are married and one is a child. Rodney, a.k.a. Tom, married Kathleen Copenhaver, Haver, and has two young daughters. Rodney and Kathleen are divorced, and the girls live with Kathleen. This concludes my chapter on Ronald Landry. Um, at the bottom of the chapter in the book, there is a family tree of his family and his wife's family as well. I hope you enjoyed this chapter, this rendition of it, and my brother's life. And I will continue on in just a brief moment with chapter, the next chapter in my family's history. Okay, this is a chapter about my sister. Chapter 8. Regina, a.k.a. Tina, in the previous book, I wrote, Crane was born in November 4, 1949, in Plattsburgh, New York. Regina enjoyed a loving childhood with two doting parents and two brothers close to her own age. There was the typical good age of ribbing by the brothers. Though when Junior was added to the mix, it got just a little more heated, as exhibited by the famous firecracker incident that took place in the summer trip out west. I guess, being teenagers, they never thought of the repercussions of their actions. My poor sister did suffer from burned buns, and it made sitting for quite a while a little painful. Otherwise, her childhood went pretty smoothly. She was a loving young lady and was popular at school. She had her girlfriends that she hung out with and listened to 45 records with. They went to dances together and hung out together after school. Things changed a little when I was born. I became the center of her world. She took me everywhere with her. When possible, she bought clothes that matched hers for me. They used to love and pinch my chubby cheeks. I became quite the big ham. I was looking at pictures just recently, and I always seemed to be very happy in the photos. Obviously, I knew I was loved. We soon became inseparable. I remember on one occasion where we shared a whole watermelon together. Those were good times. The only event that put a damper on things was that our poor father's self started to take a turn for the worse. He was especially close to Regina, seeing how she was daddy's little girl. It broke his heart when he missed her high school graduation. To try and help raise his spirits, she visited him in the hospital, wearing her cap and gown. You can see by the smile on his face that it really helped. Regina was always very good in school. She showed an interest in business and had plans on going to college. When she met the love of her life and future husband, Stephen Crane, she was working as a secretary and making a solid income. They met at a farm converted to a restaurant in Pumpkin Hook near Macedon, New York. At night and the weekends, it served as a dance hall where the local residents could enjoy dancing and live music. My sister was quite the head turner with her long, flowing hair. 
and Stevenson became quite enamored with her. I was soon to know heartache for the first time in my young life when my sister married Stephen, a.k.a. John Vincent Crane, in 1968. I was just five years old at the time. I was the ring bearer at their ceremony, although I know at the time that she was going to move out of state after they got married. Soon after that, they were married. Stephen joined the Air Force. He was stationed in Alabama. My father was able to squeak in two trips to see his baby girl. The first time they took their travel trailer with a doghouse strapped out of the back of the trailer. My sister had asked Dad to make a doghouse for their dog, Mitzi. Of course, Dad was all too willing to accommodate her. Mitzi even got his name on the house. Unfortunately, on the way back home, my father suffered another one of his heart attacks. Steve and Regina had to meet them somewhere in South Carolina where he drove the car and trailer back to New York. After Mom and Dad were safely back at home, they drove back to Alabama. Trust my father to not let a near-death experience deter him from going or doing something he had his heart set on. He made a second trip to the visit the Marine family, this time by plane. It was the first time he had flown. He wore his suit and hat to commemorate the flight. My father, Mr. GQ himself, he unfortunately passed away before he got to see his first granddaughter born. Renee A.K. Jenny was born on August 17, 1970 in Selma, Alabama. Our poor father died April 15th. 1970, so close. My sister was to have one more child, Martin, a.k.a. Hellboy, used in my previous book, Scott Crane. Unfortunately, that pregnancy did not quite go smooth, as smoothly, and so the legend that was Martin Scott Crane began. My sister was feeling a little homesick, so Stephen had enough leave to take his small family back to Rochester so they could catch up on family matters. Even though Regina was getting a little close to her due date, they both thought that there would be plenty of time to spare. After during a relaxing visit socializing with their fam respective families, they packed up and got on board their United flight back to Alabama. It was supposed to be a direct flight, but, that, but Martin had different plans. When the contractions became worse, in order to make her more comfortable, they emptied out first class and moved her there. They were able to find a medical professional on the plane to care for her. The professional was an intern with just one more year left, so he was, she was in good hands. Just in case they were not able to make it to the hospital in time, he had the flight attendants cover the floor of plastic and boiling water. An elderly lady volunteered to help the intern and was able to comfort my sister some. By the time they were, out of, time they were over Pittsburgh, the contractions were so severe, they had no choice but to make an emergency landing. She tried walking down the stairs, but the contractions were too severe. So the paramedics picked her up and carried her to the ambulance. Stephen removed her wig and collected her hair stocking and pins as well and put them in a paper bag that was supplied him by one of the EMTs while they rode to the hospital. Even though her long hair was now touching the floor of the ambulance, my sister was past caring. She was just in too much pain. She was rushed to a local hospital in Schwickley, where Martin was born none too soon on September 29, 1971. Marty had a rough go of it as he quickly developed hyaline membrane disease due to his immature lungs. When his condition worsened, he was transferred to another hospital that was able to provide more advanced care at their NICU. He spent one month at the Children's Hospital in Pittsburgh. After getting a slow start, he finally made a full recovery, and he hit, then hit the road running and has not stopped since. To show you that there are truly nice people in this world, a volunteer at the hospital and her husband put up Stephen and Regina, I mean, sorry, Stephen and Renee and Regina when she was discharged at their house while Marty was at the hospital. As is typical of the military, you do not serve your whole enlistment in one location. He made a short hop to Orlando, Florida, 
or my stepfather came with us on our first major trip together. We got to visit Disney World for the first time then. He was eventually shipped to Germany, where the family remained for a few years. He was stationed for two years in Frankfurt and one year in Munich. Germany is known for their beer sausages, beer steins, and big bosomed barmaids. What they don't tell you is that they are also known for their sandpaper white toilet paper. No wonder they always look like they were walking funny. We had to send them care packages from Florida loaded with American goodies, especially toilet paper. Living in Germany gave them ample opportunity to see a good portion of Europe. At least they weren't getting shot at like our previous visitors to Europe. Stephen also took a photography while he was in Europe. Who could blame him? There was so much beauty surrounding him. Eventually his love for photography rubbed off on me. He was quite helpful in showing me the ropes. I am still going strong over 35 years later in photography. Stephen became so accomplished that he even won awards for his photography. Their last leg of their military odyssey was in Nebraska. My sister hated it there. They were there only two, two past times. I'm sorry, there were only two past times in that state. One was dodging tornadoes, the second and only slightly safer and less arduous was racquetball. Both Stephen and my sister became capable tournament players. It also took the year's stay in Nebraska for their, for their backsides to heal from the German scourge. Finally, they were presentable for polite society, and Stephen was honorably discharged after serving 10 years and attaining the rank of staff sergeant. After 10 years, he had had enough of the military and wanted to finally live life on his own terms. He used a GI Bill to pay for his degree in forestry in Lake City, Florida. His sister, my sister, sorry, still lives there. Stephen soon realized that forestry in Florida was not all that it was cracked up to be. Eventually, he got a job working for the county, first as a surveyor and then as assistant county appraiser. He would eventually retire from that position. My sister initially put her secretarial skills to work for by working at a law office. Eventually, she was able to find a better job working at the Veterans Administration or VA hospital, working in the pharmacy. Eventually, she ran a new program with instituted order entry for doctors in the VA hospitals in Florida. She would travel to several hospitals, training the employees and doctors there in the use of the new software. My sister retired from the VA hospital at the age of 56, something I envy her for. I will have to work until I'm at least 66, if not 68 years of age. Regina and Stephen both continued to play racquetball. Though my sister mainly did it for recreation, Stephen continued to play in tournaments. He also, for many years, coached the local youth in soccer. He was instrumental in developing not only the soccer program in Lake City, he was also instrumental in increasing the interest in racquetball as well. They both continued with their love of the outdoors. They enjoyed canoeing, scuba diving, and riding bikes. Stephen also became quite proficient in golf. They instilled the love of the outdoors into their daughter and son as well. My sister started making arts and crafts, and along with our mother established a thriving business selling their wares at festivals throughout the states. Out the state, sorry. My mother eventually had to stop making crafts when my stepfather passed away. My sister still dabbles in it even today, after Stephen passed away in 2020. Renee, a.k.a. Jenny, married her high school sweetheart, Alfred Venditti, in August 1989. Alfred followed in his father's footsteps and joined the Air Force soon after getting married. Alfred just retired after serving our country 30 years as a chief master sergeant in the Air Force. He was a veteran of the first Gulf War. Alfred was stationed in South Korea and in Europe as well. His family was able to live with him in Europe. He also acted as a trainer during his time in the military. 
They currently live in Ocala, Florida, where they are currently pursuing other interests. They enjoy traveling and have recently purchased a recreational vehicle. They have two handsome boys, Alexander and Christopher, who just married the lovely Lexi Packer. Martin, A.K. Hellboy, married his first wife, Gaia Three, in Lake City, Florida, on May the 29th, 1990. They had a lovely young daughter named Jasmine. Eventually grew apart and were divorced. He was entering the air traffic program after ascending aptitude tests. He enlisted the military and served his time in Anchorage, Alaska. He spent time in Saudi Arabia and Hungary as well in the same capacity. While in Saudi Arabia, he was part of the Operation Desert Storm and Enduring Freedom. After serving his time, he was honorably discharged at the rank of Staff Sergeant. He worked for the DOD for two years and then worked for the FAA for one more year before relocating to Jacksonville, Florida. Martin finally met the love of his wife, Mary Velez, in Alaska, and subsequently married her in Oahu, Hawaii, on December 8, 2003. They have two children, one girl, Miranda Crane, and one boy, Matthew Crane. Martin currently works as a commercial air traffic controller at the Air Route Control Center in Jacksonville, Florida. Mary has a daughter from her previous marriage named Tony, who has recently given birth to a bouncing baby girl named Ava Marie. That concludes my story about my sister. I hope you enjoyed it, and until we meet again, you have a great day.